when we talk about money and wealth and all of that, one thing I want people to keep in mind is if you think a lot of money is going to make you happy, you are wrong. Think about the people who win lotteries. Most of the people, it ruins their lives. Most of them are broke within five years. Uh, The people in California, in the entertainment industry, have more money they can possibly eat, yet they're galactically unhappy. Uh, If money made you happy, why are they in rehab for the seventh time and on their tenth marriage? It is not the only thing that makes you happy. It sure comes in handy when you're trying to pay bills, though, and do the things you want to do. Well, welcome, everybody, to the Pay It Forward podcast. I am one of your hosts, Austin Seward, along here with my co-host, Keegan Walls. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing the money man, Bruce Molek, who's been the president of Firefighters Credit Union for nearly 20 years, um, locally known as the Money Man, um, great community branding all over TV, radio. Um, so we're very excited to, to have Bruce here today. And the local Dave Ramsey. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. So thanks for being here today, Bruce. We're excited to, excited to have you. So you clearly have a passion or helping people get out of debt, become financially free, take control of their finances. Where does that passion come from? I think it came from my own struggles as, as a young person who went through five years of college and then got a, a job at a finance company for six sixty five an hour. Um, and at that time, it, you know, I was just happy to have work, and uh, I had paychecks stacked up on my dresser because I had no bills. And then I discovered the wonderful world of credit, where I thought if a bank or credit union or a lender approved me for something, it was a good idea. So I started buying boats and trucks when I really had no business doing it. And then in my uh, mid-20s, I got myself in deep with debt. And, and deep in debt back then, it was another time, uh, was you know a $12,000 vehicle and a $6,000 boat loan with no down payments, basically. And uh, when you're taking home $1,000 a month and 450 of us in payments and you haven't paid rent yet, um, uh, that made me sick to my stomach that I had done that to myself. And I decided then and there that I really did not like debt and I was going to avoid it as much as I could in the future. And I knew that if, if all my money was going out in payments, I had no money to invest in myself in my future, uh, and you know, I just want people to have dignified retirements and not be 50 or 60 years old and have uh, a negative net worth. And I can't imagine being that old and having a net worth less than the day you were born, which means the thousands and thousands of hours that you worked, you went backwards. That's ridiculous to do, and it's easy not to do it. Uh, so uh, I just, and then I, you know, I started listening to people like Dave Ramsey. I fell in love with the philosophy, um, you know, and um, I used to be a hundred percent Ramsey machine, go go go. But <laughs> I'm probably like, you know, I don't agree with everything, yeah. but I agree with the the premise for most people that being debt free frees up your income for for yourself and for your future, and. 
And I believe that people can go to college without going anywhere near a student loan. Uh, I've done the numbers. I've accomplished it with my kids. It's, it's very, very doable, uh, but you have to have a plan. You can't wait till your kid is uh, the May of their senior year to start worrying about paying for college because then you almost certainly have to go to loans. And I'm sure we'll talk about student loans a lot later, but um, that's where my passion grew because I hated struggling. And I know what it was like to be a father with two babies and not knowing how I was going to pay for diapers and formula. Um, and, and I struggled up until my 30s. I still borrowed money because I didn't have money for cars, but I was a lot more careful about it. You buy a $10,000 car instead of a $40,000 car. Um, and then eventually, I, th I believe at a certain ages, you shouldn't have uh, debt, uh, consumer debt, bad debt. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure, as well. And when you get rid of payments, uh, it frees up your, your income, which, as Dave Ramsey says, is your single best wealth-building tool. Yep. And you can use it to invest in yourself. And I love teaching people these principles. And um, when I see people come to me, they struggle. And the number one reason they struggle is they have no plan. They're just winging it. They're doing what their friends are doing and what their neighbors are doing. And their friends and neighbors are losing with money. They're getting by. They're having a good time, but they're working all day, every month to break even at best or go backwards. Um, so I vowed I was going to teach people not to do that. And that's been the mission. And it's counterintuitive to a credit union. Our job is to lend people money. And I spend the vast majority of my time in our advertising and marketing, marketing talking people out of our product. People don't want a loan. They want what the loan can do for them. No one loves $500 payments. Um, so, um, and for some reason, it, it's, it's resonated and, and, it, and it works and people like the message. And uh, people ask me, well, what are you selling in your commercials? Because you're certainly not selling the credit union very well. <laughs> I said, no, I'm selling trust. Yeah. People know when they come to us, they're going to, what they hear from us, they can truly believe because we don't care if we sell something. If someone doesn't take out a loan from me, I don't care. That's uh, awesome. I, I, I just don't. Um, I just, if they do get a loan, I want them to get a fair deal. and I want them going into it with their eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I, I've, I've counseled hundreds of people. And what I've seen is the people that are floundering or struggling uh, were booted out of their homes. Uh, when they were 18, with no guidance, nothing. And a lot of them decide, well, I guess I'll go to school, because if I don't go to school, I won't become anything, which is a bunch of BS. Yeah. The most successful people I've run into have never stepped foot on a college campus. And don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-education, yeah. but to believe unless you go to a four-year college, you won't be successful is total BS. And the, the most successful people I'm seeing are people that are going into the trades as a 19-year-old, and they're starting their earning years at 19 instead of 26. And if you start in conjunction with your earning, the savings for retirement, uh, you start six, seven years before your colleagues, uh, that ends up being hundreds of thousands of dollars in retirement accounts when you start participating 
early. So we're sending kids out in the world very, very unprepared into the world of finance. And it's normal to have a bunch of loans. It's normal to carry credit card debt from month to month to month. Uh, we got to stop normalizing this. And that's, that's my goal is for people to realize, hey, I'm carrying credit card debt. That's a problem. That's a sign of one thing. I'm spending more than I have. You can't do that in your personal life. You can do it in Washington, D.C. You can't do it in your personal life and expect success. So there was the inspiration for me to do all this. And fortunately, I've had a board of directors that allows me to do it. When I sit down for a family or a couple for three hours and they walk out and I haven't sold them anything, my bosses don't care because I have the patience to wait for the for five years before they're ready to do something. And then they'll buy a house or a rental property. Yeah. And very few people have that patience. It's like, you gotta sell now or it was a failure. We just don't view it that way. Planting seeds. Yeah, I love it. That's kind of like the practical definition of serving people, right? Because not everybody, same thing with real estate, not everybody that comes into it is in a position to buy right now. Mm-hmm. So if I pressure somebody, you need to buy this house. No, this is the right one. It's just not true. And I always joke with, the majority of people I work with, I say, I've talked way more people out of houses than into houses because they're going to get into, right? They fall in love with this or that or this fancy thing. And I'm like, I mean, you didn't look at the foundation and the furnace is 160 years old. They didn't even have furnaces back then. Like, this is not going to, like, you're you're looking at, okay, they have fancy cabinets or whatever, but this is probably not the best house for you. And so I've talked a lot of people out of houses but that's serving, right? Because I don't care. Like if, if you get a good deal here, I've had friends that have, I've looked for houses with them. They knew somebody, whatever, and it was a good off-market deal. You know what I said? Go get the house. Well, you're not going to get paid. If my job is solely to serve my people and my job is to help people get houses, I, if I if I don't get the money on the end of it, who cares? Like it's about helping people get houses and like what you're saying, it's about helping people. Right make smart financial decisions, not me sell them a product so that my wallet gets bigger. I mean, that's just a practical business definition of serving people, sure. putting people first. So, yeah. And a lot of people buy things from people who have to make a sale to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. Um, associate yourself with people who don't need to make a deal to pay their bills because uh, you're more likely to do the right thing yep. when, when it's not all about, it's more about serving than it is about money. The money will always come. You have to have the patience. Do the right thing. Uh, but a lot, of, not a lot of people have the business or, or the patience for that type of business model, yep. uh, and 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 that's a shame yeah. uh, for the good things to come later on. I'm all about laying the groundwork for the future, formulating that plan. Um, and like I said earlier, the people I see failing, there's no plan. There's no framework to build on. And it's very impatient. I need this now. Yep. Yep. We live in such a society of instant gratification of if I can afford the payment, I can afford it. Right. And I see so often, like in the past five years, coming out of college into my working career, friends of mine that graduate college, they have a hundred thousand in student loan debt. They go get a forty to sixty thousand dollar job. What's the first thing that they do? Big boy purchase, big girl purchase. There's a picture of them with a brand new car at the dealership with the salesman smiling. What do they do once they get the car? They go get the fancy studio apartment, luxury 
$1,500 studio downtown, right? And they got $2,500 a month in payments, $2,000 a month in payments between those two things alone, making forty dollars to $60,000 a year. But that's what everybody does. And they're like, that's normalized. Mm-hmm. So what, what advice do you give to somebody who, before they made all of those decisions, they, they haven't made any of those financial decisions. They're coming out of high school, coming out of college, starting their working career. What is step one to move towards financial freedom? If you leave college with debt, student loan debt, don't do what you just said. Don't feel you have to reward yourself because you just got your first uh, big boy job. Live like a college student for another two or three years. Wipe all that crap out. Start with a clean slate and then build from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, avoid borrowing for cars. You know, uh, that means including me. Just because I approve you for a loan does not make it a good idea. My job is not to pass judgment on every way and everyone and say, you don't do this. I have people that come to me for counseling. That's a whole different conversation than when someone comes to me and say, I want this car loan. Because I've caught myself going into a lecture about why would you do this? And they're looking at me like, dude, I just want to know if you're giving me a car loan. I didn't want a lecture. So I've had to find out who's, who's there for what. So just because a lender says yes or I say yes does not necessarily mean it's a good idea. Because mm-hmm. I, I fell into that. Lenders would approve me, and I'm just like, well, it must be, must be good for Bruce, or they wouldn't have approved. No, they're in the business to make money. Yeah. Um, so you, you got to learn that. And I've learned that the salesman is not your friend. They might be a nice person and a, and a good person overall, but they're not my friend. I just met them. They're there to make a sale. Yeah. Um, and you know, I have the luxury that most salespeople don't. My board doesn't care if I make a sale. <laughs> they care if I treat people right. And um, I love it. It took me a long time to find a job yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're at 41 years old. I got the big chair. And, you know, in my 20s and 30s, if I'm ever in the big chair, this is what I'm going to do. Because I think a bank or credit union can run like this. Um, and like I said before, it's counterintuitive, my philosophy. Um, but I get a lot of good business by downplaying the importance of my product. It is important. Um, but too much of anything is bad. You know, one beer, great. 24 beers, not so good. Same with borrowing money. But not the Right. (laughs) Because you end up with a big... 24 is not going to be good for that night. Don't lie. You end up with that financial hangover. Yeah. And you got you to gotta look past your fingertips and think past Friday night. Yeah. And that's tough for someone in their 20s. And very rarely can kids in their 20s do that, but I'm seeing more and more and more of them who have grown up yeah. you know, really fast, grown up faster than I did. I didn't wake up till I was 27 years old. You know, then I read a book called uh, Wealth Without Risk, and I started getting some financial tips uh, from that, and that, that changed my life. A $20 book ended up changing my whole financial life, a $20 book, mm-hmm. and, and uh, changed my behavior. And a lot of people will not change their behavior. I changed my behavior because I hated being poor. Yeah. 
And I told myself, my kids will never borrow money for college, ever. So I started a plan, not the day they were born. Um, I started a plan five years before my oldest son was born hmm. to pay for college. This is how weird I am. And I don't expect everyone to go to these extremes. Um, I started saving for my kids' college in 1990. Uh, Austin, my Austin, great name. I thought that was going to be the greatest name of all time. It is. And then every freaking kid was named Austin that year. So he was born in 95. I started saving in 1990. I was make, working for a credit union as a collection guy making 10 bucks an hour. I started saving 25 bucks a month into a uh, mutual fund uh, for college. Like an adbust? Okay. Uh, just, just, just a regular Same. mutual fund. Um, and um, I was not in a relationship. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't know if I would ever be married, but I did it anyway. Really, really weird because that wasn't a lot of fun taking this money I could have taken down to Third Street. Yep. And, and uh, do what people do on Third Street. Yep. Um, so I, I did that. And what's the what's the worst that's going to happen if I don't have kids or they don't want to go to college? I got a big bucket full of money, which I could pay for weddings and stuff with. Yep. Um, so don't tell me you can't go to college without student loans. That is a crock of garbage. It can be done. But and I don't expect, expect people to do it five years before their kids are born. But if you want your kids to go to college and you're going to push them that way, you owe it to them to give them guidance. And there's no law that says parents have to help pay for college. Uh, I brought these kids. I brought my kids into the world. I decided that's something I was going to do. Yeah. So I decided that was something I was going to do. Well, Bruce, you better have a plan. And I'm very proud to say that both my kids, they worked their tails off in college because I wasn't going to buy beer. Uh, they worked their tails off. They both left without any debt. Plus, because dad was chirping in their ears since they were youngsters about money, uh, they left with no debt and investments. That's great. What about somebody that is too far gone? And they, they have all the debt, they have the student loans, they have the credit card, they have the uh, car payment. How do you possibly climb out of that hole? Uh, you, have to, you have to be willing to make wholesale changes in your lifestyle. You have to want it to happen. If you don't want to change anything, there's nothing anyone can do for you. If you don't want to change your lifestyle, uh, it just it, it won't happen. You, you've got to sacrifice uh, for... Uh, you know, a lot of times people can get out of these messes in two years. But, I mean, it's scorched earth. I'm doing nothing. I'm paying this stuff off. I'm selling everything that's not nailed down. Uh, two years of that, and you can be out of it in a lot of cases. Or you can live with it for the next 40 years. Okay? Both situations uh, suck. But you want something to suck for 24 months or 40 years? I mean, pick. Pick your bad. Which bad do you want? I'll take the 24 months anytime. And it works. I've never uh, seen anyone upset that they paid off all their bills. They come to me and, and uh, they go, I did what you said. Mm -hmm. 
Our lives have changed. We can do stuff now. We don't fight anymore. The number one cause of divorce is fights over money. And what's the odds now? It's over 50% of marriages not lasting. How galactically sad is that for our society when marriage has become disposable? Very sad. And a lot of it can be avoided when couples are on the same page with their money. Uh, When you get married... It's uh, it's a it's a team sport. It's a two-person team sport. Yep. So if you're keeping your finances separate, especially on a first marriage, don't get on the same page. Yeah. Have a budget that you both agree on, and you don't deviate from your budget unless there's a meeting of the two CEOs. And to deviate from budget takes a, a two-to-zero vote works wonderfully to stop money fights but you have to have a uh, a budget that gives every dollar an assignment every month so when you talk about having a plan that's budgets are a plan yep Uh, none of the people that come into me struggling have a budget they all have a mental budget please yep so you mentally plan to go backwards every month (laughs) (laughs) That's not a good plan. Right. And a good plan must be in writing. Yeah. And if it's more than one person, agreed upon yep. by everyone involved. And there's so much technology and apps and stuff you can use now that'll link directly to your bank account. That Dave Ramsey's got an app. There's Mint. There's other apps. And I remember back in college, um, my dad paid for my first two years of school, but I knew that the second two years I had to pay for. And getting a loan was not an option for me. And I worked full-time throughout college, but I used the, I started out using Mint, I think, and then I used the Every Dollar mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey app. And I never made more than $35,000 in school um, working full-time. And I knew I had to pay for fifteen grand a year, ten dollars to $15,000 a year, two years of school. Um, so I set aside money every single month and use the app religiously. And there was a consistent dollar amount of, I knew when that bill was due and do the backwards math. When is it due? How much is that per month? Do I have to send aside to pay that bill at that time? And I literally had, it was to that exact month of, I had the exact amount of money to go down to the, whatever the, the treasury office at UWL and write a check. And I can't tell you how important that was and crucial that was in my life to use that and to be on the same page and really see wherever money is going. Um, Admittedly, as life gets more complex and you make more money, um, that's kind of fallen to the wayside. But my wife and I back actually just a couple of months ago talked about starting to do that again. Even as the numbers are bigger and more complex, it's it's still important to sit down get on the same page and every dollar has an assignment. And yeah, and, and sometimes that assignment can be fun. Yep. There's nothing wrong with spending some of your hard-earned money. Yeah. But wasting it is is just uh, it's sinful, yeah. and it's dumb, and it takes you backwards. Yeah. Spending money is okay. Wasting it. Yep. But no, it gives it, you that dopamine that every time you go make, make a big purchase, you get a new car, you get a new thing, and you can post it on Facebook, and you get all the likes and comments and... I don't know that that's ever going to go away. You know what I mean? There's always going to, that's always going to be there. Yeah, I just bought shoes on Amazon. I felt great. <laughs> but to be fair, I ran them like the tread was, they had a hole. In it. I duct taped the hole and then the duct tape ripped. So like, it was time. It was time. 
So when I, when I see, uh, you know, a congratulations on your new car, yeah, all I can think of is, mm, congratulations on your 72-month payment book. <laughs> that, that's not the uh, the glory-filled part of the transaction. Yeah. So you spent $30,000, you pay another five in interest on something that's going to be worth what someday? Yeah. Zero. Zero. Yeah, it was down what? Like a crazy percentage of energy. Yeah. Drive it off yeah. a lot. Yeah. And we need cars. I mean, we need them, but we don't need to go so crazy. Let's about talk it. about that. I just bought a new pickup truck. Never thought I'd buy a new pickup truck in my life. $60,000 for a new truck. Like, pretty basic. Doesn't have all the bells and whistles. Way more than I had before. Um, and I've always paid cash for cars. This was the first truck that I did not. And is there a point that if you're spending $60,000 and if I were to go take $60,000 of cash and buy this truck on something that's going to depreciate versus if I take 20 or 25 and make a down payment on this truck, I'm getting a 2% rate and I take the other 35, 40 and I go buy a rental property. What's your philosophy on that? Um, well, you and I have had this discussion <laughs> uh, about uh, using other people's money yeah. to build wealth. Yeah. Uh, that's not for everybody. Yeah. That's for people who have a plan, people very, very savvy in, in, in finance, savvy in, in, in whatever their field of interest is, be it rental properties. Um, you can use other people's money wisely. It does not work if you're stupid. Yeah. Or if you have no discipline. To be quite frank, OPM does not work <laughs> if you're done with money. I'm telling you, folks. Look it into the camera for that right. <laughs> It works for people who are extremely intelligent, people with discipline, yeah. who can uh, arbitrage their way to wealth. But you don't arbitrage your way to wealth because you got a 2% car loan. Yeah. You, you, uh, when you use uh, money or borrowed money to, to buy appreciating assets that generate income, uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. And that's where I, I kind of differ with Dave Ramsey, and he says never buy a rental property until you can pay cash. Mm -hmm. And maybe somewhere along the line you can do that, you know, on your thousandth purchase. Yeah. Uh, but to buy your first one, to save up, you may never have your first rental property. Um, so borrowing money wisely, um, managing the properties, uh, and see, that's not for me. Yeah, I'm a mutual fund investor. I'm a 401k investor. I don't want anything to do with tenants or, or fixing someone's toilet or getting a call at 3 a.m. saying, could you change my light bulb? Don't want it. Don't need it. It's different strokes for different yeah. folks. Yeah. Um, and when you can get, uh, like I have... Ten and a half, eleven percent over time, um, in your in your investments, um, that really helps them grow. That they yeah. maybe it'll double in value every seven point two years or seven years or five years, yeah. depending on how the market goes. Yeah, that's great. Um, but you know, but people have different ways to achieve their goals. Uh, your way is totally different than mine. Yeah, I am a total risk avoider. Um, you have a higher uh, appetite for risk, um, which probably means when you're 60 years old, like me, you'd probably be sitting on a higher net worth than I am. But I took no risk. Yeah. And I, I am not envious of, of, of people who've done well. Congratulations to them. Because yep. what do they do? 
generally people who are well off do really good things for their communities. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, don't, I don't understand the society where we take joy in other people's failures. I don't know what is wrong with us when that makes us happy if someone has something bad happen to them. Yeah, but they're, I just saw a video yeah. on this this morning. They're cheering you on when you're at the early stages, right? You're at the mm -hmm. early stages of business and you just open a new office and you're hiring people, they're cheering you on. But you get to the point where you have made it and you do have some financial success and you people don't like it when you're now operating higher than them. You're earning more than them. You're there. And now they're, oh, well, now you made it. Like, oh, he, you know what I mean? They're just, I think when, right. when you succeed past other people, their tendency to support you and applaud you goes down. Yeah, there, there's envy and jealousy. Yeah. I mean, I get a little jealous of folks who maybe are taking the vacation I can't take. Yeah. Uh, but I don't envy them. A little jealousy probably can be healthy, but envy, that green-eyed monster, is dangerous. It'll change the way you behave. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I think about the people I've dealt with who've, they've run small businesses, and they run it for 20, 25 years, and sometimes they paid their employees before they paid themselves, and their families did without. And then after 25 years, the business finally clicks and they really hit the jackpot and they're doing really well. And then people view them as someone who had the silver spoon their whole life. Mm -hmm. And it's just not true. Yeah. Uh, this country needs risk takers. Uh, this is, the, uh, the economy is not gonna survive on someone like me, right. a tightwad like me who was not a risk taker. We need, we need people who spend money yeah. And we, we need people who are willing to take risk, who build companies, who create jobs. Um, and we need to, uh, to respect these people and admire them, not be envious of them. Nothing positive comes. It's, it's a wasted emotion. It's wasted energy. If you want what they have, do what they did. Yeah. But most won't. You, the risk. Like well, nobody ever assesses yeah. the risk when they're doing the envious thing of, oh, they got there or whatever. Yeah, oh, they must have had a silver spoon. It's like, you understand, like, how big of a risk. Like, they could have lost everything. Like, yeah. that's why they're getting paid out this premium at the end is they're the ones who took all the risk. It, took, it takes me no risk to just go work for somebody. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's no risk for me to go get hired by an employer. There's a risk for the employer to start the business and have the overhead costs and can lose everything and go way back if things fail and he doesn't do well. Right. <clears throat> I mean, a business that's doing well. Uh, you throw something like a, uh, a pandemic or a reaction to a pandemic that can destroy businesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is that risk. So when people do well, good for them. Yeah. Don't envy these people, folks. Applaud them. Yeah. We need these people in our society. Good for them. And find out how they did it. If it's something you want to do and you want to right. be, find out how they did it. And if you don't want to do it, great. Yep. Go my way. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that yeah, at but, all. But start young. Yep. And you can make, be a millionaire both ways. Yep. Either way is fine. Yep. Totally. Um, so as, as the president of a credit union, I think it's really unique for you to play a role in counseling your members in addition to fulfilling your duties as president. So you talked about meeting with hundreds of people and hours and hours of meeting with people, three-hour meetings. How do you balance your time in fulfilling your duties as president of the credit union 
while also serving and meeting with and counseling your members? Um, all my other work can wait. Okay. okay. It can pile up and I can do that uh, later. I can do that after five or I can do that at seven in the morning. I, I think it's very imperative that someone have a place to, 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 to run when uh, they're struggling, uh, a place where there's no judgment, a place where they're guaranteed to get the truth uh, to see if they can make a change. And it's absolutely the funnest part of my job is sitting down with strangers. And uh, by the time the three hours is up or two hours or four hours, uh, we become really close. And I've developed a, a bond with these people because during that whole time, I tried to sell them nothing. Yeah. My goal is never to uh, offer a consolidation loan. Because if you're coming to me and you're struggling with money, you've already consolidated your way into a lot of debt. Um, and it's not about interest rates. It's about changing your behavior, formulating that plan. And uh, it is the coolest thing I've done in my 35 years in the business is counseling people um, at no cost. That, and, and people ask me, well, what's, what's the cost? I said nothing. I've had people try to pay me. Really? I had a couple who were millionaires come in once. They weren't struggling with money. Uh, they were they were struggling with bickering over money. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one thought we should have more fun. One thought we should give more to charity. And uh, I can't remember. It's been a long time, but I eventually helped get them on the same page. I say, no, you're millionaires, but have the budget. And if, uh, you know, uh, given to charity, you've budgeted 500 bucks for that, you can do it. Yeah. Um, and when people do that, again, any deviation from the plan requires a, a two to nothing vote. It eliminates, it eliminates the fights. Yeah. And so then they wanted to pay me. I said, no, don't, no, I can't accept any money. I said, if you want to do something, put something in the Children's Miracle Network uh, hopper out there. We've got another teller line. So I went out there, and I thought, ah, oh, maybe they threw in five bucks. They threw in three hundred bucks. Cool. For CMN. Cool. And I'm just like, yes, that's awesome. That's that's what it's about. Yeah. So all of these meetings are possible because of the massive brand that you've built in the community. So. When did you get Coin the Money Man? The Money Man. I was working with a local radio group, okay. and I worked with a consultant who uh, is really big. He's built a lot. He's branded a lot of really successful companies. And I had a one-on-one -on -one with him, and I was kind of floundering. I, I didn't know what to do. I was still you know, relatively young and green in my, in my new position. And uh, he told me, you know, I had a baker in... Indiana. I think my the details might be a little uh, skewed on this, but this is how I remember it. He said, I had a baker in Indiana, and uh, I made him the muffin man, like the nursery rhyme. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he said, you're going to be the money man. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I just didn't think people would take it. They would. I thought people would say, well, who does this guy think he is? First of yeah. all, in my world, you don't give yourself a nickname. Yeah. It has to happen from people you know organically. So I'm giving myself this moniker, which is against my personal life rules. Yeah. And I thought people were going, well, how 
how arrogant is this guy to call himself that? Yeah. And people didn't take it that way at all. And I, I started doing commercials. I, oh, God, if you saw some of my horrible first commercials, oh, they were just, <laughs> oh, they were horrible. <laughs> and then I decided I was just going to do it all myself and tell stories and my experiences. And it it resonated like crazy um, throughout the community. And, uh, and people will ask me, well, what are you... What are you selling in your commercials? You're not telling people to take out a loan or to tell them to do anything specific, a specific purchase from your credit union. Uh, I said, well, I'm selling trust. I want people to know when they come to our credit union that they can trust us. And we're not going to sell them something just to sell something. Yeah. And it's, it's just worked remarkably. So I've been the money man since 2007. Actually, it's been yeah. a, it's been a long time. It's been a long, glorious ride, and um, you know, someday I'm going to have to give it up and retire and go into the grandfather business. Yeah, yeah. in the fishing business, absolutely. <laughs> well, money man things yeah. work because this is the first time I've met you. But I mean, I've been hearing I listen to ESPN radio a lot, so I hear all your commercials. Bruce Mullock, the money man. Yep. What's uh yeah. like so? There's two different types of marketing, right? There's lead generation marketing that you're going to get somebody's contact information and you're going to be able to call them and follow up with them. And there's more brand awareness marketing and building a brand. So TV, radio, all brand, right? You can't really quantify unless somebody walks in and they say, I walked in because I heard the TV commercial. Um, it's tough to quantify that. So what's the key to being successful on TV and radio other than your good looks? Um. The good luck's help. <laughs> um, it, it really pays to be gorgeous. <laughs> um, the key, I think, is repetition and having a uh, repetition over a long period of time. Um, if, if, if you're a business and you're a successful business and you quit marketing, uh, you're going to lose market share every time. Why do Coke and Pepsi still advertise? They shouldn't have to. There are these enormous uh, products with this huge following. They still advertise because if they don't, they will lose market share. Uh, I had someone want me to quit, cut my uh, marketing budget in half once, and I said, no. Well, why? I said, because that's arrogant. We're really good, but no one is so good mm -hmm. where they can cut their marketing. People will forget that you exist if they don't hear from you. I want people to hear from me three times a week. And at I a do. minimum. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and it works. It does. Yeah. Um, so um, consistency over a long period of time. And I love, in, in, in advertising, sound. Mm -hmm. uh, and we our brain stores sound in a different way than it does other things. When you hear something, it takes a while for it to soak into the brain. But if you hear it enough times, it's in there forever, which is why I can hear a song that I haven't heard for 40 years. I still know every word of that song mm -hmm. because sound got stored in my brain and it's still there. Yeah. It's amazing how it works. Yeah. Um, is that uh, so? Is that something that, that you noticed there was a big delay in when you started doing this? You probably didn't see results immediately. What what is a time frame that somebody should expect before they actually start to see results? Because at some point, 
if you're a business owner, you got to look at, is this marketing budget being spent correctly? And if you don't mm -hmm. do it for a long enough period of time, then you may not give it enough time for it to come to full yeah. fruition. So, uh, Well, it's a great question because I had to ponder that. I was terrified. Uh, when I first got to the credit union, we had a $10,000 marketing budget. Three quarters of that was calendars. Hmm. And then someone, the first radio uh, presentation I got was like 20000 And I'm just like, I looked at my salesperson, you crazy lady? $20,000? Wow. Um, so eventually, I said, we, we, we got to do something. We're, we're in a hyper-competitive business in a very saturated market here. We, we have a name like Firefighters Credit Union, which sounds exclusive. Yep. Firefighters sounds exclusive. Credit Union sounds exclusive to some people. So people didn't know they could belong. Uh, and I couldn't change the name of the credit union because in my job interview, I promised I would never propose that. So that wasn't an option <laughs> to have a no, more appealing universal name. Yeah. Um, so I decided I got to brand this and I'm going to have to spend some money to do it. So I took the leap of faith. I started uh, uh, writing the checks and I told myself, do not expect overnight changes. It's not going to happen. So I told myself six months. Okay. Wait six months. After four months, I was sitting in uh, Troy Arns's office, and I remember saying to him, something's happening here. The phone is ringing. There's, there's a buzz about us now. And he said, I know, the phone is ringing. And I said, well, why is that? He said, people are hearing the ads, and they're calling, mm. and they trust us. So now we got a shot at their mortgage where we never had. Mm. And... Uh, so six months at least, um, and if you're going to advertise, um, do it right. Uh, one thing I've noticed uh, some businesses do is they spend thousands and thousands of dollars telling the world how they're the, exactly the same as their competitors. Yeah. You have to find what makes you different and sing that from the mountaintops. That is the differentiating, 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 got it, Boom. idea that will bring people to you. Don't spend money. I, I used to spend money on ads saying we had checking accounts. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, well, how <laughs> well, how stupid is that? We're a credit union. People know we have checking accounts. Mm -hmm. Why not just tell people I've got free oxygen in the lobby? <laughs> For real. You can breathe in our building. <laughs> so you pick what's different about you, what makes you special, and that's the message you put out. Mm. And if it's not an honest and honorable message, uh, you may be a flash in the pan. You'll get some bites, and you'll have dissatisfied customers, but your message has to be consistent, and it has to be honest, and it has to be real. Mm. Yeah. Because people will leave you as fast as they came. And the last thing I wanted after spending this money to get people to come in is to not make an impression and then lose them because we didn't perform. Mm -hmm. uh, you you have to have a good product or service and you can't take customers for granted because they got choices, baby. Yeah, yeah especially in your industry. It's like any time I see a building go up, I go, all right, we're probably getting a new bank in Holman. I'm like, <laughs> now we have 45 <laughs> banks to choose from. I'm like, can we please have another restaurant? Yeah. 
Sorry. <laughs> I just feel like that's like always what goes up. You see anything being yep. built, it's a new bank or something. Yep. Yeah. Ultra competitive market. Very. And it's it's made us really have to work at it. Yeah. But there's only one money man. There's only one as far as I know. <laughs> I, I hope there's no more. <laughs> we don't need two of me walking the earth. <laughs> I got two minimes walking around. They're 28 and 25 now. Yeah. Um, that's enough. So tell us about your experience meeting Dave Ramsey. Well, it, it uh, m- most of my uh, contact with him has been through his staff. And okay. I did get to meet him and shake his hand once, but it was, it was a meet and greet, and it was a very brief moment. I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a chance to really have an in-depth conversation because he was uh, meeting and greeting hundreds of people. This was up in, in Minneapolis where we uh, we went to one of his events. We sponsored a bus to go up there. Uh, but it was great to see him in person. And, um, and I've gotten personal letters from him, um, which is, is really nice. And yeah. uh, Dave used to uh, endorse us locally. Hmm. And so I was writing uh, copy for Dave Ramsey. Really? Uh yeah, um, I was writing commercials that that he would read. He's reading my words, uh, and it it was just weird. And and one of the coolest emails I got from one of his staff was, "Dave really enjoyed voicing this one." <laughs> uh, that that's when I know that. Uh, How did you get into that? Where did that come from? Um, uh, the folks over at Midwest Family said okay. we got an opportunity. That's cool. And we only thought of you. You were the only one that this is appropriate for. Yeah. Uh, because of our philosophy. He said, the Ramsey thing is a perfect fit for you. Yeah. So we did it for, for, for years and years, and uh, we don't do it any longer. Um, um, when we got our credit card, um, that was something that, you know, because when I was writing these ads, there were certain things I couldn't talk about. Yeah. Lending being one of them. Yeah. Uh, and, and so after five, six, seven years, I kind of got out. I, I, I didn't have things to really write about anymore. It was hard when I'm just talking about, um, you know, being a good citizen and saving. Yeah. Um, uh, it was frustrating. I couldn't talk about mortgages and, and loans. And I, and I understood yeah. that. And But it was a wonderfully fruitful partnership. Yeah. When I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. And cool. uh, so uh, I, I'm personally a Dave Ramsey junkie but I about I'm about 85 percent in on what he tells people for the average guy Ramsey follow it yep. if you're young enough you will be a millionaire yep. I guarantee it yep yep and uh, if, if, if you know anyone in their 20s tell them they can be a millionaire yep uh, because they can for sure because they got something I don't have anymore yep and that's time and if I could redo age 20 to 27, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. My big fat butt would be on a beach somewhere. <laughs> but I'm I, I, fishing. Absolutely. I, yeah. Eventually, I learned. Yeah. But you got to learn before age 27. Yeah. So, so what advice would you give to somebody? Let's say they're maybe in their 30s or 40s, and they're they don't have a bunch of debt. They don't want to take the risk, like Austin's done, or put it in put money into real estate. They want to do something secure. They're not in their young 20s in terms of time, mm-hmm. but they let's say for whatever reason, they have like a chunk of money that they want to invest. They want to put it somewhere. They want to start building some financial freedom in their life or be able to retire at 55, 60 years old. 
where would you point them? What, what would be your advice uh, to that Well, um, see, I'm a dollar cost averaging guy. Yeah. yeah, I'm not real good at investing myself huge lump sums of money, like a hundred thousand. I've always done it, you know, five hundred, a couple thousand at a time. Um, so uh, I have money people that I talk to. Uh, I, I'm. Uh, I don't think I'm an expert at anything. My my forte is helping people get out of debt so they can free up money so they can invest. And so I have people, investment people that I talk to to get hints on you know my retirement. And it's always good to have a third eye because sometimes if if you're looking at your own situation, there's things you don't see because you're looking at it through that that funnel that you've looked through for years. So it's always good to have other guys. So I would. It, it, depending on their situation, a lot of times I'd say, you know, pay off your house. Mm -hmm. Then you free up, you know, what, $1,500, bucks that now you can invest in your 401k or Roth IRAs or mutual funds, uh, freeing up money. And some people don't want to pay off their, their home um, because they don't want to lose their, that's their only deduction. Yeah. But I'm like, you're paying $10,000 a year in interest. The standard deductible or the standard deduction now is twenty thousand. You're not saving anything off your taxes. Yeah. And when I see people spend a hundred thousand dollars on something they don't need to save twenty thousand dollars in taxes, drives me nuts. <laughs> don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes people in the accounting business, they're thinking only strictly numbers in this year. Yeah. And they they I. I I've had people get that advice. Well, you can, you need to go buy a new uh, $150,000 combine. Yeah. Well, but the current one's fine. Right. Yeah, but you need the write-off. I don't get that. And there's yeah. some CPAs out there probably giving me the stinky eye right now, but I don't get it. Yeah. Call me, explain <laughs> it to me, and maybe I'll change my tune. But I don't spend 100000 to save twenty. Yeah. Makes no so sense what it, So what... What if the plain devil's advocate, what if that 100000 that you spend helps grow your business? Like if that piece of equipment will help multiply what you're doing right now. And yes, it's a cost right now. It's also a tax savings, but that's an investment into your business that will grow. If you needed that piece of equipment, okay. go for it. Yep. But don't do it strictly to reduce taxes. Okay. If you've got a piece of equipment that's going to last you another 30 years, yeah. keep it paid off. Yeah. Uh, but if, yeah, if it's something you actually need, go for it. Yep. Uh, Investing, you you know your business more than I do. Yep. Um, but don't don't buy things to impress other people. Yep. And uh, and I don't know the tax code's weird. It is. I, I don't. It's it's uh, it's convoluted and weird, and I don't get it. I couldn't be a tax man. But yeah, yeah. Don't spend a hundred thousand dollars to save twenty, folks. Yep. Yep. And don't be scared to question. The experts in your life. If they're irritated because you're asking questions, go find someone else. Mm -hmm. They should be happy that you're asking those questions. Yep. It, it makes the relationship better. So what if somebody's completely debt-free, they never had a loan, never had a credit card in their life, they don't have a credit score, and they want to go buy a house? Well, they're they rich. They can buy any house they want with the money they have. <laughs> what if they don't have the cash to do it? They don't kind, have the cash well, to buy Go out. to someone who does uh, manual underwriting. Yeah. Uh, the credit score is relatively new. Uh, 
for most of the people now, it's been around their entire lives. I, I noticed it in 1996. I started seeing this number on a credit report, a FICO or Beacon score. And I was like, I don't, what the hell is this? Yeah. And then it's become this, this phenomenon where people are, they're nuts over their credit score. So much so they don't care if they're broke. But they're going to check Credit Karma seven times a day to see if their score went up. And I'm like, stop it. Yeah. Do the things to to reduce your debt, save money, pay on time. Your credit score will take care of itself. You don't need to trick it. Because you can't take your credit score to the grocery store and buy food with it. I've known... Wealthy people or broke people with 800 credit scores. Mm -hmm. And I've seen multi-millionaires with 650 credit scores. A credit score is not a sign of your financial health. A financial statement is, if you want to focus on a number, don't focus on your FICO score. Focus on your net worth, which is taking all your assets minus all your liabilities. And that's what you're worth in terms of dollars. Make that grow every month. Realizing if you take a $5,000 vacation, I just went backwards, $5,000 in my net worth. If you want something to focus on, focus on your net worth, chuck the stupid credit score. And don't get me wrong, having a high credit score is better than having a low credit score. But having a high credit score is nothing more than paying down your consumer debt, paying on time all the time, the credit score takes care of itself. Yeah. It's easy to have a 750 credit score. It's easy. You don't get a collection. If you got a $10 bill somewhere, pay it. Yeah. A $10 collection can cost you 50 points on your credit score. Hmm. Pay it. Yeah. So, Bruce, how how have your leadership skills evolved? You've been a, the president, the leader, the head honcho of Firefighters Credit Union for almost 20 years how have your leadership skills evolved from the time you started until now? Ah, boy, how have they evolved? They've, they've kind of stayed the same. Um, of course, you learn a lot. You make mistakes, and then you learn from those mistakes, unless you're a moron. <laughs> then you don't learn from them, and then you repeat them. <laughs> so learn learn from your mistakes. Uh, when, I, when I got into the big chair, I had this philosophy about how, because uh, I'd worked at other places, and it seemed to me that there was a feeling with my coworkers that it did, they didn't feel like they mattered and their opinions weren't important. So I, I was going to be, uh, I decided I'm going to engage with the employees, not only with the members. Um, so I'm very involved with our employees. I don't sit in an ivory tower and just make decisions looking at reports. That's really no way to run a business. It's part of it, but it can't be all of it. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm i going to be engaged with the staff, uh, open door policy. Uh, the people I work with are going to know without a doubt that I care about them and their families. Uh, I'm going to make them love working here. I'm going to make it so such a pleasurable experience that uh, it'll kill them to leave for another opportunity. Um, so I've stayed engaged with um, the the employees and um, I'm also very active with the members. So I understand the dynamic 
between the two. And um, when I came here, I, I knew I had a certain skill set. Um, and I knew I could not duplicate that skill set by hiring a bunch of people like me. So I developed really good relationships with people I had worked with at, at, a, at a, another business. And when I left, several of them said, please call me when you have an opening. Mm. And so uh, that's, that's what I did. So I surrounded myself with uh, these incredible people with incredible work ethic um, who, who came to work with me, not because they thought I was this great businessman, because I hadn't proven anything yet. Uh, they came to work with me because they thought I was a good person and they thought I really, really cared about the rank and file. Uh, I wasn't someone who, when they reached management, got this attitude that, well, I'm management now and you're, you're down there. Um, everyone's important. Um, I think the, the, the least important role at the credit union is mine. If I left for a month and took a month off, the, the gang's going to do just fine without me. Yeah. Um, so I hired these type of people. I've always uh, respected them. And um, when you give respect, you get it back. And you, you garner loyalty when your teammates know that you care about them and their families. Um, and if you treat them right, they are going to look for every reason not to leave you. And I've, I've had people that have been there with me almost 20 years. Um, I'm not, I wasn't everyone's cup of tea. Some people left because they thought I was a, a stinker, but uh, the rest of the people came in. They've been there with me 19 years. Uh, so I got to be doing something right from a management perspective. Yeah. Um, and, and I would never do anything or, or ask someone to do something I wouldn't do myself. And if there's garbage out in the parking lot, I'll go pick it up. I'm just part of the team. Mm -hmm. And they know that. So uh, for the most part, I think I got the gang's respect. Yeah, because uh, I never make anyone sell their soul at the door when they walk in to come work for us. That's definitely good. You don't have to do anything that conflicts with your ideals. Uh, I just won't do it because I've had those jobs yep. where I had to do things and sell things that I knew were not good for people. Um, and after 24 months and three days of that, I got out of that and went to work for a credit union. Yep. And um, and I just always had the philosophy that. Uh, uh, you're not better than everyone else. You need these people. You know, I have the fancy title, and a lot of the time I get the lion's share of the credit for what goes on in our credit union. And it's a little embarrassing for me because I don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. They do. I have the most amazing group of coworkers you could ever find. And I'm blessed every day. And when I retire, that is what I'm going to miss the most. Yeah the camaraderie and coming in every day to these diligent, hardworking people who, who would do anything uh, to make things go right. So my style is respect your customers, respect your employees, and treat them right. Appreciate them. Uh, and occasionally, you know, things don't go right. That dynamic happens with employers all the time. But yeah. if you have that philosophy, people will stay with you. Uh, 
for their whole careers. Yeah. And it's such an honor for me to have the longevity we've had. Biggest problem I have with human resources is people have been there so long, they got so much vacation time they got to burn. So that's our biggest problem. I'll take it. Good problem to have. I'll take it. Yeah, this yeah. guy is blessed. Yeah. To have that team there. Yeah, that's Gosh, something you don't they're see. They're incredible. No. Yeah. So that's what, great. What what's one of your if you can think, you can take a moment to think about it. Like in all of your years of experience at firefighters, do you have a success story of you personally that you've helped a family or a couple or a person get through that kind of sticks out in your brain? Like this was a super success. Like maybe they were crazy in debt and had no way out, came to you, met with you, and now it's kind of turned. Mm. I've got dozens of stories. Uh, And the one that's most vivid in my memory right now is uh, I got a call from a young lady and um, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people, so I didn't remember the name. She said, you may not remember me. I came a couple years ago, and I had all this student loan debt. I mean, it was a lot of money for what she was earning. And you gave me a plan on what to do. I think it was it was like 35000 in student loan debt and other assorted debt. And um, in two years, not making a lot of money, she paid it all off down to zero. And then called me and said, okay, I did what you told me. What's next? That's great. I said, well, all right, 15% 401k right now. Don't start at five. Don't start at six. Start at 15 right now. Because of what you've been doing, you will never, ever miss it. And you're 25 years old. Uh, with with what, you're, what you're putting in and the employer match, you will be a millionaire easily. Um, and I would have never known I was successful had she not checked back in. Because uh, a lot of people come, and, I, and I'm sure there's a few who go, you know what, the old man's crazy. He wants us to make too much sacrifice, and I'm just not willing to do that. That's okay. Yeah. If you want to live check to check and it's it's satisfying to you, who am I to tell you to change that? But if you really want to change your life, I'll give you the plan. And she listened, and she did it, and didn't check in for two years later. Wow. And she, it was just, it, it was, uh, it was just a wonderful, you know, that made my day, my week, my year when she called me and said, I followed your plan. Um, that's what you do it for. Those are the, the stories you want to yeah, hear. And that's, it's, it's, and I can give people a million dollar advice. Yeah. I really can. I mean, you're not going to wake up the next day with a million dollars. But over 30, 40 years, yep. million dollars, two million dollars, very, yeah, very possible. Yeah, more likely than not. Uh, slow and easy. Um, the 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 turtle. Uh, yeah, tortoise beats the hare every time. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race. It yeah. does, and you don't need to be an entrepreneur to get wealthy. You don't need to take a lot of risks. Um, I admire the people who do. Uh, they got guts. They got guts. I would have never done what you've done. Yeah. I would have never done it. I just not built that way. Uh, different strokes for different folks. You got yeah. fear receptors in your head. Austin's just weird. <laughs> I'll vouch for that. <laughs> I've I've fished with him. Yeah, that's great. I think it's good to hear hear both sides of it because like a lot of what you hear on social media is like the get rich quick stuff. And I mean, that's a lot of the heart of why we started this podcast is to hear 
other ways, right? And can you get rich in real estate faster than a 401k? Yes. Is it for everybody? No. Um, so there's just, I think people have to decide for themselves what's their risk tolerance, how involved mm -hmm. they want to be. And they're, in any investment method, millionaire status is easily achievable over time, like you said, easily. Like it's not even a question. But my question is, is a million, two million when I retire, retire at a retirement age 30 years from now, is that even going to be enough with inflation and with where things are headed? I get that question because uh, I'll tell people, well, you'll have $3.5 million if you do exactly what I say here today. And then they'll say, well, what's that going to be worth in 30 years? Okay, well, okay, so you'd rather go into that situation broke with and not have the three and a half million? Okay. <laughs> I love that answer. But so, realistically, should somebody be putting more? Like, should they shoot for five or ten? Uh, as much as you can. Yeah. Um, who knows how yeah. many millions you're going to need? Yeah. Um, hopefully, inflation will. will... Well, let's not go there. <laughs> Come on, do Let's it. Go there. Go, go there. Well, they say 8%. Uh, yeah. The stuff I buy is like 35, 50%. Yeah. So it's, it's affected my pocketbook a lot more than 8%. Mm -hmm. 8% I could have swallowed. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I don't know. It is what it is. And uh, I, I don't want to get into the whole uh, Washington, D.C. thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys <laughs> and gals. Um, yeah. So I, I think you can never have enough. I was going to say you can never have enough money. Uh, I, and when we talk about money and wealth and all of that, one thing I want people to keep in mind is if you think a lot of money is going to make you happy, you are wrong. Yeah. Think about the people who win lotteries. Most of the people, it ruins their lives. Most of them are broke within five years. Uh, the people in California, in the entertainment industry, have more money they can possibly eat, yet they're galactically unhappy. Yep. Uh, if money made you happy, why are they in rehab for the seventh time and on their tenth marriage? It is not the only thing that makes you happy. It sure comes in handy when you're trying to pay bills, though. And do the things you want to do. Yep. It's a helpful resource, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Yep. No. So, uh, it, it, and, and people do a lot of really crazy things for money, um, unethical things, and that's just wrong. Yeah. If you're going to get rich, do it right. Uh, don't step on people on your way up the ladder. Yep. Don't, because you will not be respected in your community. Uh, and, and, and how valuable is that, the respect of your community and your peers? That's, what's that worth? A million bucks? Ten million bucks? Respect, respect of your family? That's more important than money. Yeah. Money just stealing a resource that we just get to manage. Yeah. And we just, ma we manage it yep. temporarily. Yep. Very yep. temporarily. Yeah. I literally just had that conversation similar to that with my wife the other day. We were talking... I don't remember how we got on the topic, but we we're talking about just money and how a society or some people think they're better than so-and-so because 
the number on at the end of the check is higher than somebody else's because I got more money in my wallet because I got more money in my checking account or I made it and I'm rich. Like if that is your ultimate like measuring tool, I think that's so shallow and sad. Like, okay, I'm I have a million dollars in my checking account, but I'm an absent father, mother, uh, my my marriage is breaking down. I don't have friends. People don't respect me because I step I stepped on toes and use other people to climb up the ladder higher. I'm like, w- w- cool. So you have mo- like like what you're saying, like cool. You have money. Yeah. Like wh- for what? Like whoop de do. Yeah. Like so so you can retire at forty. Who, who you, like apparently you're not going to go retire and go on vacation with your spouse because that's not going well. So then what? You're like alone on the beach, and I guess maybe some people enjoy that, but not me. Like. For what? You you got all these things, and if that's your ultimate, like, litmus test, like, good luck, I guess. Uh, I just think that's, I think that's shallow. I think respect, I think leaving a legacy, I think your kindness, your character is a much bigger measuring tool and a much better measuring tool um, to describe your success than... And I, I always say, how would I measure my life when I'm gone? What do I want people to say when they're they're marching... They're marching by me in the box there. And what what do I want them to say? Do I want to say, well, there was the money man. He was so great at the credit union. And he had this many dollars. I don't want them to say that stuff. I'd be perfectly happy if they said, God, that's the nicest son of a bitch I ever met. I'd take that over all that other stuff any day. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. And the best thing you can do for society, by far, is raise good children. Raise children that are going to be contributors to society. Don't raise children that are going to be takers. Raise good kids. What What's my legacy going to be? As soon as I retire, 10 years from now, no one's going to know who the money man was. But... The actions of my children are going to live on, and they're going to pass those actions on to the, and my grandchildren. Uh, so money is great, but it pales into comparison of all the great things that God has offered us. Yeah. And for me, the greatest blessing I've ever had has been having babies. Mm-hmm. No yeah. pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Come on. What are you waiting for? Amen to that. Yeah. In due time. Uh, it's the best thing you can ever do. And if you choose not to, I respect that. I get it. It's not a choice I would make because uh, having children is uh, it's a glorious endeavor. And you can shape them to be what you want them to be. Uh, what, what a great privilege given to us from above. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, and Austin and Aaron, Riley and Bryce... You are the blessings in my life. That's awesome. Um, Awesome. Well, to end us off, one last word of advice to our listeners. Um, From if we were you were to highlight what you said today, if there's one or two takeaways you wanted our listeners to have, what would that be? Um, You are one hundred percent in charge of your life. The outcomes are totally within your control the results you get are in concert with your efforts Um, 
Don't blame others when you have a hiccup. Okay, your success depends on you and you alone. And would you, would you really want that any other way? You want someone else in charge of your success? Take control of your life, make good decisions, have a plan, and you know, unless you're stricken with an illness or an accident of some sort, life's gonna be good for you. Take control of your life, it's yours. You've been given one life, it's a gift. Um, make wise decisions and uh, I mean, go for it. And don't focus on money, 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 money all the time. Uh, be a, just be a good person and you care about more, care more about others than to do yourself, than you do yourself. And um, life is good. When you go to bed at night and you're washing your face, uh, it's very important to me to really like who I see in the mirror before I go to bed. I don't necessarily like what I see anymore, but I like who I see. <laughs> and that's peace of mind, uh, knowing that you, you had a good day, you had a good life. Uh, there's a there's two movies people need to see. One is United '93, uh, that's a 9/11 movie, um, and the other is Saving Private Ryan. Every American should see those two movies. Um, I wept, especially during United '93 when I watched that. Uh, and Private Ryan, uh, the, I don't know if you know the story. The premise was a mother had lost three or four sons, and she had one more overseas. So they sent these people in to find him so she wouldn't lose every son. And several soldiers died trying to find him. And this guy, they showed him as an old man. He's with his daughter. And he kept saying to his daughter, you know, please tell me I've lived a good life. He needed that validation for me. Tell me I lived a good life. Because he realized what these other people had sacrificed for him. And he didn't want their sacrifice to be in vain. Um, so live a good life. Uh, don't do things uh, you, you, you might be ashamed of someday. Make mistakes. Own them. When you don't own your mistakes and you blame everyone else for the stupid stuff you do, you're going to go nowhere fast. Own your, own your mistakes. Be a good person. 15% to your 401k doesn't hurt. <laughs> And, and, and life is good. Yeah. Be true to those who you love. Yeah. Be true to your friends. Um, good friends are hard to find. And as you age, uh, your circle of, of people that you hang with and, and confide in really shrinks down to a small group. Mm -hmm. And you never want to let those people down. Yeah. Ever. Well, thanks for being here, Bruce. This was Really, really good. Appreciate all your yeah, insight so and wisdom. Anybody in the lacrosse area that's looking for money advice, better act quick and go meet with Bruce. Call it Firefighters Credit Union. So thank you for being here. Look Appreciate for the money it. man. Uh, total pleasure on my yeah. part, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Awesome.